Amen. Good morning, Antioch. How's everyone doing today? Awesome. 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 Um, man, the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Yeah, he's in the house and moving here amongst us and breathing on the waters of this people and breathing on the waters of this family, covering us and ministering and moving in our lives and through our lives. How many of you guys uh, were able to be here last Sunday? Let me just see by way of hands. Man, how awesome. How awesome was that last Sunday? Uh, for those of you guys who weren't able to join us last week, we just had a time where uh, we basically opened up the mic and practiced 1 Corinthians 14, where uh, the, body, um, the body ministered to the body. And um, man, people brought forth testimony and people would bring a word, people would bring a prophetic word, people would pray, uh, people would release songs and hymns, and we just, we just put the scripture in motion there. And uh, faith, I just felt faith arise just faith being strengthened. And uh, I feel like we have turned a corner. I really do. Um, I don't have anything really concrete to substantiate that. That's just, um, you know, that really just is a sense in my heart. Um, Last year uh, was a pretty heavy year for us as a family. And um, it's, it's one thing to experience loss, but we have to understand that in the midst of our loss, that God never loses. So even though we may have lost people that we love, God did not lose a battle that we fought. And that's important for us to understand that because if we believe that God is who he says that he is, and we do, then God never loses a battle. He's always victorious, always If he were to lose a battle, he would cease to be God, or he would at least cease to be a God worthy of our devotion and worthy of our worship. So um, let me just recalibrate for some of you that whatever it is that you walked through or whatever it is that you fought through, God did not lose a battle that you were involved in last year. And again, we may experience loss and grief is normal and appropriate but God did not lose a battle, okay? Um, I don't know if it happened just last week or maybe we've, we're entering into this season, but I feel like God is bolstering our faith. He's renewing our faith. He's strengthening our faith. He is causing hope to spring forth and hope to rise again. And if we continue following the Lord, here's what we'll find. We'll find this as a people and as individuals, we will find that our faith and our hope and our trust in God and who he is and what his promises say and what his abilities are, that faith and that trust will be stronger on the other side of some of the battles that we fought and stronger on the other side of even some of the losses we have experienced, our faith in God will be stronger. Our resilience, our resolve, our tenacity, our immovable belief that he is who he says he is, that will be stronger than ever. Um, That being said, um, I'd like to just orient us on um, something that we've been in for the past four and a half months now. Uh, What I want to do, I want to lead us to end out our time today in prayer. 
for those of you guys who are with us today for the first time or you're just joining us here in the past couple of weeks, we are walking slowly through the Lord's Prayer. And uh, it's not just to gather information about the Lord's Prayer. It's to activate our prayer lives. It's to activate our intimacy. It's to activate our communion. It's to draw us deeper into the riches and the realities of who God is. So I'm going to today, my, my goal today is very, very simple. I'm just going to do a very quick review. I'm going to just catch us up. I'm going to connect some dots because there's been a lot of dots that we've hit. I'm going to hit some high points. And then we're going to close out in the last 20, 15, 25 minutes or so. And, uh, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for the body. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to pray for the city. We're going to pray God's kingdom come. So I'm going to go back to the very beginning. And we started off the year just basically mapping out an overview and an introduction of the series at large. Let me remind you of the purpose, why we said that we are going to be going into a series on the Lord's Prayer. To help Antioch Church manifest the kingdom. Now, that's an important phrase for us this year, to manifest the kingdom, the kingdom of God that is here and yet is coming. And that is also a very important concept biblically for us to understand, that God's kingdom is here. It has begun. When Jesus came and entered into the earth, he is the fullness of the kingdom. The kingdom is very simply a reflection and a manifestation, an outworking of who the king is. So when Jesus came, boom, the kingdom came to the earth. In fact, if we understand our our biblical uh, worldview of the kingdom, the kingdom actually came to the earth when God commissioned man and when God commissioned woman and gave them authority to spread his kingdom out into the earth. Now, mankind gave over that kingdom authority and it's one of the principal reasons why Jesus came to the earth. One of the things you're going to hear us say over and over and over again is that Jesus did not come just to die on a cross to forgive you of your sin. That is not the sole reason. That is one incredible benefit that took place under the overarching framework of him bringing the kingdom of God to the earth. But if we don't get this in order, we will make salvation all about a personal, spiritual private experience that we have alone with God. And when we do that, we marginalize and we narrow and we even cheapen what Christ did in coming to the earth and dying and in raising again from the dead. When Christ rose again from the dead, boom, he released something into the earth by way of his sons and daughters. He released the ability now for us to advance his kingdom the outworking of his character and the outworking of his name into the earth. So the reason why we're doing this series is to help us as a people manifest the kingdom by growing in our prayer lives. How do we grow in our prayer lives? Very simply as sons and daughters, working together to build a vibrant prayer culture in Antioch and beyond. A vibrant, living fiery prayer culture where the spirit of the living God is just moving, moving strong on our lives. Let me just insert here for a couple of minutes. Um, 
you'll go with me to John 15, something that we are praying as a staff uh, very strongly. We're praying that in everything that we do, and there's, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. Man, we've got men that are getting together and women that are getting together and young adults that are getting together and we've got mission teams that are going out and we're, 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 we're serving the poor in our community and we have corporate gatherings and life groups. There's a lot of stuff that's happening. But here's our prayer. It's very important for, for us to understand this. We don't wanna just do great activity without the presence and the transformational power of the Holy Spirit in our midst. I mean, this, this right here is a prayer that we pray nonstop. We pray, God, that in everything that we do, we must have the transformative movement of the Holy Spirit on what we're doing. Okay? We want that every time we get together in small groups or in large. I pray this when I meet with somebody one-on-one. I pray that the words of my mouth will not just be my words. I pray that it wouldn't just be my presence that's coming to the table. I pray, God, in this one-on-one meeting, let there be a Holy Spirit encounter to do what I could never do, to do what could never happen just in the normal confines of that event or that activity or that moment. We must have the presence and the power and the movement and the action and the life-giving waters of the Holy Spirit washing over everything that we do. We have to have that. It is essential to our life as a people. Are we, are we, are we, are we connecting on that? So, you know, John 15, verse four right here says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you're the branches. And if a man remains in me and I in him, another word there is dwell or abide or make our home in Christ. It says, uh, If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, we can do nothing that is eternal in nature. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing that changes the hearts of men. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. So what we wanna see here, one of the things that we're working towards is we're working to sing a vibrant Holy Spirit empowered, Holy Spirit possessed, Holy Spirit blessed, Holy Spirit saturated prayer culture as a people. That ought to be, and that that can be, and that ought to be one of the defining marks of who we are as a people in the earth. Man, those Antioch people, they know how to pray. They know how to move heaven. They know how to touch the heart of God. They know how to stand and declare his word. Their theology is sound. When they speak, the heavens move. Things change. That's what we want. That's what we desire to see because it's built on this fundamental conviction that everything that we do must grow out of the fires of prayer. It must grow out of the fires 
of prayer. It was said of a particular queen of England that she feared the prayers of John Knox of Scotland more than she feared all of the armies of Scotland. Why is that? Because she knew here is a man who was known not only in the heavens, he was known in hell. He was known by his ability to shake and move things by his prayer life. That's why we're going through a series on the Lord's Prayer. We want to see heaven invade every part of our lives, every part of our lives. We want it to be infused with the life and the power and the victory and the justice and the peace and the goodness of God and see his kingdom manifest on the earth. Can I get an amen, a hearty amen on that? Awesome, we have three objectives that we mentioned here as we go into this series. Number one, to see prayer be deepened, defined, and developed. We wanna see our prayer lives be enriched. We wanna see our prayer lives strengthened. Number two, the purpose of this, the objective of this series is to see discipleship deepened. We said that one of our goals is to disciple and foundation people through the spirit of sonship and a kingdom worldview. And finally, we said our third objective was to see kingdom unity and alignment, to build a catalytic and ever-growing prayer culture in Antioch and in our city and in our city. Now, let me just take here just a couple of minutes and talk about why I think city prayer is so important. Because God's kingdom is bigger than this church. And in order for us to see the fullness of God's kingdom manifested in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our military bases, in our military personnel, in our government, our civil government, local government, and our law enforcement officers, in order for us to see the kingdom, the goodness, the power, the justice of God, be, just just grow deep on a city level, it's gonna require more than one local church. Guys, listen, we could be a mega church and it would require more than one local church. It requires the people of God that, that are entrenched into an entire city, all of them, different denominations, different church backgrounds, all coming together and focusing on the same thing taking place. That's why I believe City Church, and it's just one expression, one tiny little expression of many other movements and gatherings where people in our city are coming together to see God's goodness expanded on a city level. You know how we're gonna reach Muslims in our community? By the church of our city coming together. You know how we're gonna end homelessness and poverty? By the church of our city coming together. Foster care is a city church issue. It's not just one church's issue. And we could go from cause to cause to cause. It takes all of us coming together, linking our heart, linking our faith in our prayers, crying out to God. And here's what I believe. I believe that different churches have different anointings. They have different things that they bring to the table, personalities, uh, callings, but they also have different gifts and anointings that they bring to the table. Uh, and the things that God is putting inside of us as a people, that city prayer group, and the other ones that are forming like it, they need what we bring to the table. And we need what they bring to the table. It takes all of us. It takes all of us. Now let's just get real, 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 real dirty honest right now. Are there times on Sunday nights when I don't wanna get up and leave my family and go to those prayer meetings? You better believe it. There are, all right? But I do, 
but I do. And I do because I, I believe that God's kingdom getting accelerated force in our city is gonna take multiple churches gathering together. Now, that being said, there are times just life and busyness and hectic schedules and all that where we can't make it. And there's grace for that. We gotta understand there's grace for that. But man, when, I want us to have an understanding of why we're participating in certain things that we're participating in and why they're important. Now, there was a time in my church journey where I had no grid for this, no grid. It was everything was being done in the local church, no grid for the kingdom of God moving outside of what was happening. It was this spiritual, sacred, secular, dualistic mindset that's just been shattered. And now I understand, man, God is doing things way beyond just what's happening in one local church or one church's service. All right, so thank you. We want to see a vibrant, uh, ever-growing prayer culture here in Antioch. Our life groups, man, if you haven't been to a life group, by the way, this is life group week. If you haven't been to a life group, join a life group. Be a part, be connected, give. Love people other than yourself. Serve people other than yourself. Let people know who you are. Let people see the weaknesses in your life. Let people confront you. Let people get up in your business. Get in someone else's business in God. In God, all right, in God, okay? That's the power of life group community. And then pray together, pray, pray for this church. Hey, let me ask you guys something. How many of you guys see things in this church that you don't like? Every, every hand should go up. Come on, every hand should go up. Come on, from administrative things to communication to why can't they get that together to it's so cold in here to it's so hot in here to whatever. All right, why don't we reach out more? Why don't we reach in more? Why don't we disciple more? Why don't we, you know what? Pray for that. That thing that you see that irritates you, that's your calling. That's called your calling. That's called God just showed that to you because he's turning you into an intercessor. Do it and do it in a group. All right, we wanna build a vibrant prayer culture in Antioch. I need to move fast here. That's like just the first message. All right, so uh, we just, we started off our series praying into this phrase, our father, our father. And um, we, we actually hung out on that word our for quite some time, understanding this. Number one, when we say our father, we're essentially saying that we understand the only reason that we can pray our father is because of who Christ the son is. And that approaching God in the privilege of prayer happens by way of what Christ has done and his obedience to the Father in bringing his kingdom to the earth. Now we have the privilege of approaching God as our Father. It's not my Father, it's not your Father, it's our Father. It's we are praying as a people. Most of the scriptures are written to a corporate people. It's not written to individuals. All right, that's hard for us Westerners to understand that. Uh, number two, in praying our Father, we are saying that we are praying a prayer of belonging, that we belong to three things. The universal church, which is the church from the moment that Jesus ascended into the heavens and the Holy Spirit 
baptize those believers. And in Upper Room, by the way, Pentecost is coming soon, and we just we just acknowledge Passover this past weekend. Guys, I'm telling you, man, God is just, whoo, he's doing some things. We're hitting a really good season. Be excited. Be excited and be in faith. Let that hope deferred and let that, that spirit of despair fall off of you. We are entering into a good season. We belong to the universal church. We belong to the global church. We belong to the global church. I posted something on Facebook this week about uh, a little skirmish that's happening on the Sudanese-Ethiopian border. You know what? When you see things like that, post them. Post them, pray into them. Care about what's going on with refugees from Syria. Care about what's going on that, you know, 100 Ethiopian children were kidnapped by people from Sudan. Care about that because we belong to a church that's much bigger than ourselves whether it be the Middle East or whether it be Asia or the Americas. Listen, if we are a kingdom people, we are a global people. And finally, we belong to a local church. So pray for your local church. We also talked about the next week, we talked about this theme of manifesting the kingdom. That was our first fifth Sunday of the year. And we got around in small groups and we said, what does the kingdom of God look like in your field, in your assignment, in your vocation, in your responsibility? And how are you manifesting the kingdom? How are you making the kingdom known? How are you making the kingdom visible in your assignment? Pastor Dan did an incredible job. He talked about practices and principles and protocols of corporate prayer. All right, principles and protocols of corporate prayer. Why is that important? Because if we want to build a vibrant prayer culture, it requires an understanding, it requires order, it requires submission, it requires communication. I love the fact, and I hear this a lot, a lot of times at guest luncheons, even from just family members in the church, I love the fact that we can be super spirit-filled and it be done in a way that doesn't just freak people out. Okay, maybe it freaks a couple people out, but, but it's done in a way that actually causes the river to move forward because there are banks of order, because we talk about things, because we go to the scriptures, because we just say, we just don't do things on a whim, however they feel. We actually consult the scriptures of God. We, t- we talk about things like last week in 1 Corinthians 14, that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Don't be coming up here saying, I, I have to, I just can't. No, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You can relax. You can, all right? We wanna build a house that's just functioning in order, but not in so much order that the spirit of God isn't even, isn't even here anymore. It's both, church, it's both. That's why we talk about boring things like protocols in corporate prayer. But it wasn't boring because Dan made it so fun and so lively and so engaging. I could have never have done that. All right, so we transitioned from our into our father and we talked a little bit about some pretty theological heavy stuff like the character and the nature of God. He's transcendent. He is completely other. He is completely outside of space and time. He supersedes everything and that's important for us to understand so that we don't become too familiar with him. He is sovereign and he reserves the right to say when and how and to supersede everything, everything, because he is God. But he is a God that is good and he is a God that can be trusted and he reveals his nature to us in his imminence. He's close. 
He's as close as our next breath. It is the incredible tension of who God is, imminent and transcendent, imminent and transcendent. All of the scriptures reveal the imminence and the transcendence of God. That's why we can say our Father, his imminence, hallowed, revered, worshiped, adored be your name. Now, we didn't spend too much time here on hallowed be your name before we transitioned into Resurrection Sunday and Palm Sunday. So I wanna spend just a couple of minutes here to arm you and to arm us very, very quickly on something that has absolutely revolutionized my prayer life, all right? And this is very simply praying the names of God. If you ever get into a room, if you ever spend time with God and you do not know what to do, pray the names of God. Pray the names of God. And there are so many things that happen. Number one, here's what happens. When we pray the names of God, we elevate and we exalt the nature of God over and above situations and circumstances. Many times, if we'll simply just pray the names of God, faith will arise inside of our hearts that actually clarifies for us what petitions that we actually need to bring to God. You understand what I just said there? Praying the names of God will cause faith to rise in our heart to where worry and anxiety and fear and doubt about all of those things that we need to talk to him about, those things will begin to subside because when we pray the names of God, his character and his nature and his goodness will cause faith to grow inside of us. All right, very quickly, seven quick names of God. Hope you're taking notes. Number one, Je don't, you don't have to write this down. Jehovah Sid Canoe, all right? Hebrew name, which means God, our righteousness. God, our righteousness. Oh, look at that. They got the names up there. That's awesome. Jehovah Sidkenu, God, our righteousness. So here's, some, here's how I'll pray. I'll go into prayer. Father, I thank you today that you are my righteousness. I thank you today that though my righteousness be as filthy rags, I thank you that according to 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he who knew no sin became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God, I thank you that my righteousness does not come by my works. My righteousness comes by faith and who you are and what you've done. Listen to faith grow inside of us. Like, you know, if we'll just pray the names of God, number two, you know what'll happen? Sonship, sonship will grow inside of us. Here's why. Because sonship is a byproduct of understanding who our father is. When we pray into the righteousness of God, the condemnation of the enemy, which is you are not righteous, you are not worthy, you are not good, you are not clean, you cannot approach me, that falls off because I focus on the truth of who God is as God my righteousness. And if he's righteous, if he said that he can make me righteous, and I believe that, I begin to walk in a greater confidence and power and faith and authority because all that is flowing out of his righteousness. Is that making sense today? All right, number two, Jehovah Mekedesh. This means that God is a sanctifier. I love this verse in, in 1 Corinthians. Let me just pull this up right here. You know, the Corinthian church, those guys are a bunch of jackals, man. 
those guys, those guys were serious. They, they were just immoral, like nobody's business. And, um, you know, there was just some really lewd things that were going on there in the church. But here's what Paul says. Here's what Paul says to the church at Corinth. He says, you guys were justified. You guys were washed. And this is what he says. You are, the, you are righteous in Christ Jesus. That's amazing. Now, if, if, if God can call the, the Corinthian church sanctified, we're, we're set, dude. We are set. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, you immoral weasels. That's a little bit, that's not in your Bibles. You won't see that. But it's, you know, that's, Paul was thinking that. To those, now look at this, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Now you're gonna find out just in a few verses later, he rebukes them for being so uh, immature. He rebukes them for always being so catty and arguing with each other. He rebukes them for, for taking their, their, their court cases to outside courts. He rebukes them because one guy is, is having inappropriate relationships with his mother-in-law, okay? This is the Corinthian church. Spirit-filled, charismatic, he rebukes them because these guys are not living righteous, but yet he calls them sanctified. Why is that? Because of Jehovah Mekadesh. Because God is our sanctifier. He's our sanctifier. And we've talked about this many times here and we'll, we'll continue to talk about it because this is a fundamental reality to our, 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 our power in the kingdom of God that we have to know that we are clean. That we are clean before God because of the power of the blood. Number three, Jehovah this is Jehovah Shammah, which I love this one. This means God's near. He's present. He's present. He is the God who'll never leave us. He's the God who'll never forsake us. Jesus' last words to the disciples in Matthew 28 was, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never, never no, never, 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 never forsake you. Though you walk through the valley, the shadow of death, you don't have to fear evil because I'm with you, okay? So when I pray, I'll pray this. Father, I thank you that your name is Jehovah Shammah. I thank you that you're the God who will never leave me or forsake me. I thank you that you are always there. I thank you that your name is Emmanuel, God who is with us. If God be for us, who can be against us? This will, this will hyperdrive your prayer life when you catch a reality of who God is by praying his names. Number four, I'm just, I'm just blasting through this. Jehovah Rapha, this means that God is our healer. Now here's the key to all these things. Every one of these names, man, go and find scriptures. Find scriptures and just attach three to five scriptures for every single one of these. If you did nothing else in all of your days at Antioch Church, but take these seven names of God and put three scriptures to each one, you would be a powerful Christian. That was a really bold claim, wasn't it? 
but that's how much I believe in what I'm saying. Though seriously, man, find three scriptures on each of these and then pray those scriptures and do it every day or do just do it on such a regular basis that it just comes out of you like water. Here's what will happen. Here's what will happen. When you get a negative report, you know what's going to come out of you? This is going to come out of you. The nature of God, the unchanging nature of God. Malachi says, I am the Lord and I change not. You want a foundation, you want an anchor, you want a stronghold, you want a strong tower, you want a cornerstone in the midst of the sinking sand around you, focus on the immovable names and nature of God. Number five, he is our peace. He is our peace. Jehovah Shalom, thousands of scriptures. Okay, hundreds, but there's a lot. Okay, hundreds of scriptures on the fact that Jehovah Shalom is the God who is our peace. He will keep you in perfect peace whose minds are stayed, are set, are steadfast on him. Listen, one of your greatest evangelistic tools in our culture now is not your apologetics. It is your peace. Your apologetics are important, don't get me wrong. But your apologetics will come after people see your peace. And people don't care about your apologetics if they don't see peace in the midst of many, many, many storms. Cultural storms, global storms, national storms, local storms, personal storms. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious about nothing, but in everything with prayer and petition and supplication, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. He is a God of peace. Pray that. God, I thank you that you are God of peace. I thank you that you spoke peace to the storms and now I speak peace to my storms because you're a God of peace. I thank you that your shalom is on my children, that your shalom is on my marriage. I'm so sick and tired of arguing all the time. We'll stop arguing and start praying the peace of God. Release the peace. Speak the peace. Use that peace as a weapon. Romans 16 says the God of peace will crush Satan under his feet. Now I thought he's a God of peace. No, 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 no. Peace is your weapon. Peace is offensive. Peace is destructive. Peace is powerful. Use peace as your weapon. All right, next one. Uh, I will. Uh, number six, your provider, Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. He is, he is. He will never stop being this, ever, ever. The character and the names and the nature of God supersede temporal reality. Do you hear me today? This is truth. Who God is and who God says he is and what he says about himself is Truth and truth trumps temporal situations. He is a provider. He is a provider. Lots of scriptures there. Finally, the last one, Jehovah Nisi, God, our banner. He set me at his banqueting table and his banner over me is love. I had a revelation when Milan was about 18 months to two years old. I was at a conference and I think I've shared this story before, but for those of you guys who haven't been here, 
my little daughter, she's my only child at the time, I've got four now. We were at a conference and there were some little flags, just, just age appropriate, big ones were going, but these little flags were available. And unsolicited, Milan walks over and picks up one of these flags as the worship's going, and she begins to worship the Lord with this flag. And she does it every single time that we get into a worship environment when she was that, that old. And you know, I tell you, my paradigm on flags and worship changed right there. That if a two-year-old can pick up a flag and intuitively know that this is a way that I can worship the living God, I don't care if it causes our church to shrink, it's bringing God glory. And I'll tell you, I've had people, I've had people come and say, you know what, Jade, your church will grow if you just get rid of those flags. I'm telling you, true story. And if you have a problem with the flags, let's sit down, we'll talk, I can walk you through some scriptures, okay? But God, scripture says, God is our standard. You know what a standard is? The standard is that thing that you raise when you're in the middle of a battle. The standard is the thing that you raise when, 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 every, when you, when you want to retreat and you throw that standard up and you look at that banner and you realize everything that that banner stands for, everything that, that the blood that was spilled for the standard of that banner and something rises up inside of you, a courage and a faith and a resolve and a tenacity when that banner is lifted up. It, it has the capacity and the ability to remobilize people and galvanize people and cause them to move forward. That's who God is. He's our banner. And when we lift up these banners and we worship him, it is a part of a worship expression that is devoted to the name of God, Jehovah Nisi, our banner. He will cover you and he will also fight for you. And it don't get much better than that. I said it don't get much better than that, y'all. Pray that. Pray that. Pray Jehovah Nisi over your family. Every night, parents, when you put your kids down to bed, Father, I thank you that tonight your name is Jehovah Nisi, that you are a banner over my children. You're a banner over my house. You're a banner over my marriage. I thank you that when the enemy comes in and he releases fiery darts of wickedness against us, I lift up the name of Jehovah Nisi right now. Every slanderous, defaming, accusatory word that comes against me, I hide myself under the name of Jehovah Nisi, God my banner. I thank you that your name is a strong tower, that the righteous run into it and they're safe. You're a shelter against the storm because your name is a banner. That's how you pray. That's how you pray. You get a hold of those names and you milk those names until something just gets alive inside of your spirit. Amen? I mean, we don't want no, we don't want no wimpy prayers here, y'all. He <laughs> said, that's right. That's right. Hey, pray according to your personality, but pray with passion. All right. All right, here, here's how I'm going to end. I'm going to end with this little revelation right here. You know, there's so many books. Trust me, I know I've been like looking at a ton of them, you know, for this series. So many books written about what the kingdom is, what the kingdom is, and all of this stuff. Here, here, I'll tell you something. You want to know what the kingdom of God looks like? Why is it that when Jesus led us to pray the perfect prayer, and Jonathan, could you come on up here? We're going to pray for a little bit. Why is it, think about this, why is it that when Jesus taught us to pray the perfect prayer, why did he instill in us first to pray, hallowed be thy 
name thy kingdom come. Why is that? Because the kingdom of God looks like his name. I'm gonna just throw that out there like a little revelation grenade. And I'm gonna let that blow up at you when you go home. Because the kingdom of God looks like his name. So we just went through seven of over a hundred. We just, we just touched briefly, and I could have preached a six-week six week series on each name. I'm serious. Okay? Books upon books upon books and messages and sermons and YouTube videos and you name it, podcasts, all about just God our healer. Right? Think about this. So what does the kingdom of God look like in your environment? It looks like healing, emotional healing. It looks like relational healing. It looks like systems healing. It looks like wholeness. It looks like you coming into an environment and someone is sick and you laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover because the kingdom looks like his name. It looks like Jehovah Shalom. You want to know know how to pray the kingdom of God? Pray his name into the sphere of influence. Ah, (laughs) come on, somebody wake up because I'm feeling something move right now. Pray for his peace at your workplace and pray for it. Like, pray for it. God, I thank you that your name is Jehovah Shalom and your kingdom looks like the outworking of your name. Your kingdom is the manifestation of your character. How does God reveal his character to us? Say it with me. His name. How do we know what his character is? Because he gave us his name. So the kingdom is very simply now the outworking of the character and the nature of God in the sphere of influence that he's assigned us. Pray that peace. Pray it, stand on it, announce it. Take the authority that is given to you and send that peace. Speak to things. Speak to things. Speak to chaos in your environment. Speak to chaos. Speak to frustration. You got people that are just gossiping and rumoring and slandering and you don't like it. Just do something about it. You were put there for a reason. You were put there for a reason. You were assigned there for a reason. You were assigned there not to get caught up in that nonsense. You were assigned there to change it. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. I just, I just need just three people.